first of all, what is a E3 visa? How to get a credit card, how to get a phone number, how to get a social security. Rule number one, if you have an E3 visa, like all these obvious things, right? But yeah. on a month-to-month basis, you'll get absolutely crushed in your score if you don't abide by these rules. Anyway, uh, let's go straight know. into it. What, are, what sort of things are we talk about today? We're going to do visas and moving country type admin. So the cards, mobile phones, setting up general life in other countries other than okay. Australia. Um, yeah. So I think you're going to talk pretty heavily on the visa side of it. So going to the US, the E3. Right. Uh, yeah. What was the other visa that you were going to talk about? Uh, the E3B visa which is uh it's really a permanent residency visa which is actually open to anyone not just australians okay. um but yeah i think um why don't we just start off by talking about the e3 visa because i'm assuming that a lot of our audience is going to be australian pilots looking at at uh applying for the various roles that are open to them in america right now um mm-hmm. so first of all what is a e3 visa right you may have heard about it um and basically it's a visa open to Australians that started in May 2005 um, as one of the components of the US-Australia Free Trade Agreement. Now, this is back when John Howard was in power and he was obviously very good friends with George Bush. Um, and a speculation as to why that was added as to one of the one of the Free Trade Agreement items. Um, some, pe- some people say that it's because of our role in the Iraq War and basically like a loyalty trade-off whereby in exchange for sending troops over there, we've had a myriad of benefits that have come to our economy um, and close closening of ties between Australia and, and the US um, yeah. since that period back in 05. Um, so the E3 so, visa, that's not like, who's that available to? Just Australians or? The E3 visa is available to anyone in Australia. Uh, sorry, you need to be an Australian citizen. So Australian passport holders, um, and that will be available also to your dependents. So your children, your wife. Um, some people ask, I've seen in forums, people being worried that, oh, like I have a spouse who's not Australian, she might be European or from an Asian country, something like that. Uh, are they entitled to come with me on my E3 visa? And the answer to that is yes, they can come with you. There's no restrictions on spouses or dependents um, with their citizenships. It's about you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, things that are relevant to people who are going to be applying for the E3 visa, um, what's the validity? So it lasts two years and then you can renew it an unlimited number of times. And usually it's the first application, which is the, I'm not even going to say it's hard. I found it extremely simple and depending on what company you apply for in America, a lot of the times they'll have a legal agency, a contracted company that'll do all the work for you. You basically provide them the documents they ask for and they do all the heavy lifting. You basically come with a file, give it to the embassy person um, and basically stamp done. And then once you go for renewals years down, years down the road, uh, you don't even do that. It's just a mail-in sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, Another common question with the visa is what is the what are the education requirements? Some people are worried, oh, I don't have a bachelor's degree. Can I still apply for the visa? And um, really it's it's it depends on your role. As a pilot, because there's such a shortage of of uh, pilots in the US right now, 
Um, basically, you can get the visa with a heartbeat. Um, it's yeah, it's it's. I mean, I went in with a diploma. I didn't. I don't have a bachelor's, and I had no problems. But people have even gotten it without having a diploma. Yeah. So I think it's pretty um, much one of those visas where it's a speciality, and there it's not not just anyone can get it. it has to be a special uh, trade or expert in industry, and depending mm -hmm. on that industry and that person's qualifications, which is as we know, pilots are like very niche and qualified. They literally say, "Yep, you're welcome in," and yeah, um, get that visa. You have to jump through the hoops like everyone does, but um it's probably pretty straightforward to get these days i would say yeah very straightforward um in fact i would argue that probably one of the hardest things about getting the visa is just getting an embassy booking so yeah. to get this initial visa you can't do it in america it has to be done outside of america at a u.s embassy as you would know you've, yeah. you've done this yeah. um and depending on time of year um the state of the economy how many people are looking at doing working holidays overseas in the states um yeah. it could be a wait of anywhere from two weeks to over six months so crazy. um and, and a lot of that depends on what country you're going to so we were lucky uh, where did you do your sorry i did mine in sydney okay sydney so yeah. sydney i believe had one of the longest waiting times of all of them um yeah. Now, we, because of our industry, were entitled to a, uh, uh, like an expeditious form. Basically, your yep. employer provides you, well, in this case, our employer's legal agency that was doing our, um, our visa for us, they had organized an expeditious thing where basically you shortcut the queue because of the shortage of pilots in the market at, at that time. Um, but yeah, without that, I mean, I've definitely heard of people waiting up to six months for an appointment yeah. outside of, outside of the mine, industry. Mine was six months until I submitted that letter. And then you just go back yeah. online and they've opened all these slots available for you to book. Yeah. And I had one like in two weeks time. And so I literally flew to Sydney on the red eye, um, did my interview at 9am and then, yeah, that, that was it. You welcome you know, they were like, literally welcome and thanks for helping us. And we're like, damn, like, yeah. that was so easy. Um, yeah. I think the other hard thing about the whole thing was just getting all the paperwork sorted, you know, and like, yeah, I was super surprised how, how easy it was. It shouldn't even be called an, an interview. It should just be yeah. like an appearance where you yeah. provide paperwork and you walk out. But yeah. I will say that I have friends in tech who have gone through the yeah. same process with degrees and uh, all sorts of specialized qualifications. And it has yeah. been an interview. Like it has been incredibly difficult to get the, the um, work visa over there. So that's, that's, that's the E3 visa. Um, it's obviously preferred by employers because it's so simple and it has such a high success rate compared to permanent, re permanent re residency visas, like the E3B yeah. that I'll talk about in a moment. Yeah. Um, and it's also far cheaper. Hold like on, good... how much? It was 185 US, wasn't it? That E3 visa when we applied. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but it was, it was nothing compared to what people pay for E3Bs. Yeah, it's 185, like, like... I think, at the top of my head. And there were issues yeah. paying that. I know a lot of people had issues 
signing on to the US website because you have to like use your credit card or something like that. Oh, through that security. <laughs> the process. website, the website is absolute trash, and it's one of those ones where, like, you like it probably takes what twenty five minutes to go through the web to to go through the form online. Yeah, and you need you need to be flying through it because if you get to the twenty fourth minute and you take yeah. too long, the web page times out and you have to start again. Yeah, horrible, other horrible. Big... It's actually it's the same in Hong Kong, mate. I was doing a Hong Kong visa app the other day for PR, and the yeah. exact same thing happened. Spent like twenty minutes putting in, plugging in all the information. Who's your mum? Who's your dad? Where do they where do they live? And it's like, why do you care? And then you get yeah. to the end of it and it times out and you have to start again. So there seems to be a theme with government websites. Just, um, yeah. Let's have a chat about let's let's have a chat about E3Bs because I think it's a natural thing for anyone who's on a two-year renewal visa to, you know, if you like the country, you want to basically put roots down and have some sort of long-term security, right? And the only way yeah. you're going to get that is through a permanent work visa. Um, yeah. Now... That's where the E3, uh, the EB3 visa comes in and there's different classes of it. There's A, B, and C. And that depends on on how specialized your job is. Basically, this visa is open to anyone. It's not just Australians. Yeah. So the reason why companies often won't go down this route, particularly at first, is because, first of all, it takes a very long time. Um, yeah. Typically, it's six to nine months in processing time just for stage one. And there's three different stages that you'll go through in getting this visa approved. Another thing is that it can become incredibly expensive with legal fees. Now, just in my homework alone, I'm getting estimates of somewhere in the realm of 10 grand and upwards US dollars. Yeah. And basically once you pass step one, which is submitting a whole bunch of paperwork, you go to step two, which requires filing what's called an I-140 petition. And that makes you an alien worker and the processing from for that stage is anywhere from a few months to a year. So yeah. you can see we've just gone from six to nine months for stage one. We're going a few months to up to a year for stage two. And then yeah. year, uh, stage three, which is the final approval, depends on what country you're coming from. And this is where yeah. the US immigration department's bias starts to come in. So <laughs> you may have a an applicant from... Uh, Britain or Australia or Switzerland or, or Ireland, right? Applying for, for, for this visa and they get to stage three and stage three takes a month. And then you have the same person who is applying from, let's just use South Africa as an example. And that last stage could take a year, right? Mm -hmm. So So although, yes, like this is a visa that everyone should strive to sort of work towards at some point if they intend to stay in America. It takes a damn long time, costs a lot of money, and you're not always going to be successful, right? One of the guys at Cathay, he was applying for that because he wasn't the he wasn't Australian. So um, yeah. he told me it was going to be about 20 grand and lawyers couldn't tell him for certain he was going to get it. So, yeah, you know, he hasn't pursued that because it's a lot of money, right, to not yep. have a guarantee. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. So it's funny, like, think about this from a cost perspective for an airline as well. Let's say yeah. you've got just 300 pilots, which is very conservative, yeah. just yeah. spending 10 grand a head on minimum costs for legal fees to get all those pilots an, e an e uh, EB3 visa. You're talking about $3 yeah. million. 
right? Crazy. Or or you could spend a couple hundred bucks on the application fee for a renewal of an E3 visa. Yeah. So right? can so you switch though? If you've got the E3, yes, you can. can, you, yes, you, can. you can. You can. And so it um, be a process that maybe once you get into the States, you're working for a company, then you start lodging all this paperwork eventually. Um, I mean, I suppose so. Like if you... Just my opinion only is that, I mean, if you intend to stay in the country and, you know, one, one of the reasons you should try and stay in the country is because you're building a 401k there. You might be buying real estate there because, you know, if, if you're spending, if you're like three to five year plan is to stay in America, you should probably be buying real estate over there. And I would suggest that having a permanent residency status would, would be essential to setting up life there with assets and whatnot. You yeah. can still buy property on the E3, I believe. Yeah, you can. You don't have to be American yeah. at all to, to buy property. No. Yeah, you can buy it. I think that's a good thing yeah. about America compared to Hong Kong was like, even if you're not a permanent resident, you can still invest and like establish yourself. It's just yeah. obviously the risk with any visa is what happens if they stop the visa or you get booted or, you know, you lost yeah. your pilot job. Then what happens? Yeah. Like we lost employment. Our E3 is pretty much, it's not valid anymore, right? Well, this happened to us in, in Hong Kong, remember? So yeah. uh, just for context of people watching, we were in we, a standard visa renewal was two years. Sometimes people got three, but it was totally yeah. like that. They didn't tell you why some people got two years or three years. It was just the, the, the wizard behind the curtain is just like two years, three years yeah. for you, right? You just have no yeah. fucking idea. And yeah. anyway, some guys, of course, started to expire during COVID and that was me. Um, not, not to go down too much of a rabbit hole, but a certain airline, which had a lot of local pilots in it, lobbied against renewing the visas of expat pilots because they said, well, yeah. we've just lost our jobs. Why should these foreigners have right of way for pilot work in our country? Which I'm yeah. not saying is right or wrong. I'd, I'd, I'd be up in arms if I was in Australia and People are getting, Aussies are getting furloughed. Meanwhile, they're renewing British or US pilot visas. But yeah. that's just what happened. And there was a myriad of people, you're one of them, a bunch of mates yeah. who were illegal aliens in Hong Kong during COVID because the government yeah. was just in this, well, they, it's not that they were declining people visas. It's just they weren't, they weren't replying. They, were, they yeah. were just letting people remain illegally. Yeah. Um, and when that happens, you don't you don't have the right to work, right? So guys are getting pulled yeah. off their rosters. Yeah, literally. And the company wasn't yeah. doing anything. It wasn't the company's issue. It was a government issue, but the company had nothing to do with it. And, you know, like, I was just... Instance, I can talk about my experience because it happened and I don't work there anymore. But after, what, six years, they were issuing me with a six-month visa after the, there were guys who had just joined a year before COVID who now had three-year visas. And it's like, hold yeah. on, am I going to lose my job? after someone who's just joined is going to keep their visa. And yeah, it, that's a risk uh, you take a visa anywhere. Exactly. And this, this all ties in with the E3 visa. Um, don't be disillusioned. If you are on, and, and this is me too, if you are on a two-year visa that requires renewal with a letter of referral from your company every two years, you are, you are carrying some sort of risk. If something happens... Yeah a global catastrophe of some sort, and they needed to reduce the company's headcount by 
a really easy way of doing that would be to just say, oh, sorry, immigration department's not letting us renew these right now. Yeah. There's no longer a shortage of your type of skilled labor anymore. We're so sorry. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but yeah. that's, that's, that's possible, right? And that's why I think it's worth at least doing a bit of, of uh, homework into the EB3, right? Yeah. All the green If you intend to stay in America. All the green card. And this is or a husband. everybody, everybody <laughs> who is moving to America should be applying for that green card every fucking year. There's yeah. no reason why you shouldn't. It's free. Everyone should do it. Yeah. You don't know what you're going to want. It's such a long process. You apply this year for next year. And yeah. it's like a, I want to say it's like an 18 month waiting, a, applying process. It's free. Anyone can do it. But you don't know what you're going to want to do <laughs> in 18 months time. Why not just give yourself the uh the options the opportunity yeah because you can say no yeah. to it as well right you don't have to actually of course again no they don't they don't they don't fly to australia and handcuff you and say get over there you're in america yeah, now yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 pay your taxes like um, yeah we want i money. haven't applied for the green card i looked at it did you apply for the next year or <laughs> this year so i i this is a funny story i applied and i applied on multiple different devices multiple laptops iphone ipad and every time i did it after like step three i got blocked by an fbi like portal page it was like access denied fbi and i was like <laughs> have i done something yeah it's probably your phone bro right. you probably got some suspicious stuff on there <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah probably i don't know yeah. i i, I kind of wish i had a previous knowledge and experience to apply for a green card earlier in my career but i honestly didn't think Mate. i would go to the states because Dude, you just never know I, right everyone should be applying from age 18 i think and uh yeah. you know if you because usually it takes multiple applications to to get one yeah. like some people i mean i know a guy who who got it first application but i want to say out of like the maybe five or six people i know who have gotten it um on average it's taken like five to seven years of applying yeah. i heard and one that's... in 20 no one in four get it as an aussie because they quota it for like your citizenship where, where you're from that's right, right? Yeah. Like, there's more chance again an aussie than a south african again which is again weird. it's like <laughs> it's like it's like the bias of step three in the eb3 visa right yeah. you go through all this bullshit Welcome and then they say America. oh that's all one that's all wonderful what country are you coming from yeah yeah <laughs> right? exactly and i think i think the free land the free baby but yeah land i think um, being australian is pretty pretty favorable yeah. um and especially if you so, want to go into legacy oh 100 which any everyone should yeah everyone should right 100%. like why why why, why would, um so that's that's visas bro let's uh yeah. let's move on to uh phase two and have a chat about life life admin moving to the states yeah sounds good um i think obviously anyone moving country it's always going to be difficult and there's lots of unknowns there's so much information online as well but it's never as easy as you know typing on google how to get a credit card how to get a phone number how to get a social security um we've both done it we've experienced the waits and delays so um, for instance, I personally think, well, first of all, let's start when you get to America, you're going to line up for two hours in an immigration queue, most likely, if not an hour after your 15 hour flight. Or Good welcome to the country. 
yeah, welcome to the country where there's going to be yeah. no communication, no phones are allowed to use, the immigration officers um, are quite, I don't know, just rude maybe as well. It's not like welcome to America. It's just, <laughs> I got, what are you doing here? Dude, What's your name? Dude, last roster I got asked what my, uh, he, he said, what do you identify as, as the first question? Okay. Yeah. And I was How like, did you say? Uh, <laughs> I said, I said a guy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> a rainbow? I don't know. Well, know. the one, the a last fucking, time a I fucking went through. An Eastern Suburbs housewife? Yeah, literally. The last time I went through, the guy was talking to his wife on video and still trying to stamp <laughs> it through. And you know, half the time, these, the other people lining up can't speak English. And so, you know, he's getting, they're yeah, all yeah, Spanish yeah. speaking, obviously. And then yeah, they, yeah. I get through, he's like, oh, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm on an E3 visa. I work as a pilot. Okay, thanks. See ya. What's that? that? Yeah. Yeah, 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 literally. Yeah. Like, Who do you fly you for? Who are they? Yeah. Who are they? Yeah, and they don't know yeah. anyway. But um, and then and then, and then you answer by saying, "Have you ever bought a, bought anything on Amazon?" <laughs> yeah, exa- yeah, Amazon baby. You buy it, I fly it. Um, I work for Jess. So the big the big thing from that though is when you get through, you got to get your I ninety four stamped right or like accepted yes, to yes. In, come into the country as an E three. Yes, um, I'm not sure if you have experience. You can talk about obviously coming into a country. Oh fuck yeah, I've got a story for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let it rip. Let the people know. Let it rip. All right. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. So rule number one: if you have an E three visa and you are coming to America, make sure that the immigration officer scans the E3 visa, not your fancy crew visa from your last airline, not your fucking S-star, scan the E3. Because if you do not enter the country on that E3 visa, you will not be able to get an I-94 document, which is what you require to get a social security number. Have I done this? Yes. Do I know other people who did this? Yes where we came in, we just gave our passport to the officer thinking, oh, you know, like I'm I'm moving to America and you just assume that he's going to scan the correct one. No, 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 no. Um, Don't, don't assume anything. So I've gone to get an I-94, can't get one. And uh, I'm panicking, right? Because I I start working at a new airline like in two days time and I don't have a social security number, so I can't be paid. They don't want you on, on site if you can't be paid. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out, I ended up calling immigration at Miami airport saying, hey, can I just come to the airport and you guys rescan the correct visa? And of course, this would make too much sense and be too simple. So they say, absolutely fucking not. You can either exit the country by aircraft, like by, by flight somewhere, or you can drive over the border at Canada. I'm in Miami. Yeah. So I'm like, well, holy shit, what are the options? And luckily I still had staff travel with my previous carrier. Um, so I ended up getting a flight to the Bahamas, which yeah. FYI, the, the, the airport tax to fly to Bahamas is more than what I pay to fly from Sydney to LA staff travel. It's absurd. Wow. I think it was like yeah. 150 US just to land to Bahamas. Yeah. Um, and then literally I just walked through immigration. I said, Hey man, this looks really dodgy, but I'm going to be coming straight back out. I just needed you guys to stamp the right bloody visa. Yeah. He's like, okay. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah. Yep. A few, a few hours later, I was back in America with the correct visa 
uh, scanned, yeah, scanned, right? So yeah. don't don't make that mistake. Enter on the correct visa. Um, otherwise, you will suffer the consequences later on. And so to get the I-94 from my previous experience, I'm pretty sure you just go online, type in I-94, fill in your passport, your name, details, and then you literally can save it and then print it. Yes. Yes, yeah. definitely print it. Um, yeah. I don't know if you made that error, but I know people who have where in a digital age, they assumed they could take a digital fucking document to... Um, like the DMV, what was it? Like the social security, yeah, social security building. Office. Um, but no, they they want paper, and they they simply just they they, they just don't care if you if you bring the yeah. incorrect documents, they'll just turn you away, and then you'll have to make another booking online, probably in days time, and start the process again. So, yeah, yeah bring your physical so, I ninety four document. Yeah, that and that goes on to the social security. That's a process in itself as well because that's get an appointment or either walk in. I walked in. Um, you've got to have all your documents in on your hand there. So you want your passport, mm -hmm. the passport that has your E three visa on it, your I ninety four printed, and then maybe the flights in and out on from there. Um, you also want I didn't have that, probably but a letter of employment or address letter. Yeah. So, it, 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 it says on the website, uh, what you need to bring, but, yeah. um, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain the most critical thing is having your passport, uh, which has your, your E3 visa in it as well as your I-94 document. Yeah. And then you... yeah, a few days later you, you get, yeah, you get your little paper, paper card that has your social security yeah. on it. Yeah, and that that thing's yeah. a bit of a joke as well. That little paper card, like, you know. Oh uh, yeah, you just much. take a photo of it, and and yeah, uh, hopefully no one steals it. Yeah, well, take your ID right, and I think you actually have that on your FAA license, or they used to put it on there, or something like that. So, either way, it's a form of ID that you can use in America, the Social Security, and it's important to get because it also leads you down to get your bank account, which you need to get paid. Yeah. So like yeah. most people like yourself, like myself, the first couple of weeks moving to the States, you're just, it's all admin. It's like trying to get all these little things ticked off and they kind of all feed off each other. So get a mailbox or use the hotel. We were lucky enough. We used the hotel that we were staying at. Some hotels can't be used. Um, but yeah, so social security, that's pretty quick. Uh, walk in. So expect to take probably half a day for that. And then they mail it to you. Once you've got that, you can go get your bank account because you need your social security and proof of ID. So passport, visa, probably a letter of employment as well for certain banks. And yep. then also residential proof of residence is the big one for the banks. And some won't take a mailbox. Others, nope. um, they used the hotel we were staying at, I'm pretty sure, uh, but some hotels won't let you or some banks will pick that up. And they always say, oh, is this where you live? And you just say, yes. Yeah, that's yes, where I live. That's the apartment. Yes, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Never say, if they say, is this a hotel? You say, no, not, not that I'm aware of. It's a full apartment. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then tick that box. And then your bank account will get frozen when they do find out it is a hotel. <laughs> yeah, they actually do. And me. They, they, <laughs> they, they say update it to a real address yeah. otherwise like we're, we're just going to close your accounts that was Citibank, yeah. right 
that that was city so literally here's yeah. the story i was talking to my partner i was like i'm gonna get you a present for like you know just because i love you so much so we go into <laughs> such a good go boyfriend from, yeah go buy like some expensive pants sweatpants or something what happens yeah. card declined i'm like what can i try again like <laughs> fine so either way i didn't get her the pants she got the pants that's um, the thought that counts yeah. though <laughs> yeah, it's the thought that counts. Cool, Citibank. Oh, uh, we've frozen your account because it's going to, I think it's the mailbox that we were using, right? I'm yeah, not yeah, sure yeah. if that was legal or not. So, yeah, uh, please, like, unfreeze my bank account. Yeah, actually, uh, Citibank, sent, Citibank sent me the same uh, same letters, so I just closed my accounts and said, fuck you, I'll use these other yeah. credit cards, it's fine. I, I still need to close my Citibank because, and this comes from experience as well. I think Capital One is way better to go with. In the no, States, that's who I was. That's who I was about to plug next. Is Capital yeah. One? It's just super yeah. easy to start up. It's a digital digital bank, and yeah. uh, no, they don't. There's not explicit Capital One ATMs everywhere, but you get access to all the ATMs at CVSs and a bunch of other like, you know, um, uh, multi like conglomerates that are all over the place, right? So you don't you don't need Citibank ATMs, right? No, Citibank. Um, another one. Like they're not everywhere. It's terrible. It's the worst banking yeah. experience I've ever had. Yeah. Um, and in Hong I, and Kong I, and in America and Australia, yeah. actually. I've had and, and, I've, well. and I've dealt with HSBC and they are worse. So are they? Oh, fuck yeah. Way worse. But the, the, other, yeah. um, the other company I was going to plug is if you need a credit card quick and easy and you have a social security number, uh, social security number is the Discover credit card. And, yeah. um, this kind of goes down another rabbit hole for, and it's just related to coming to the US without a credit rating. Now yeah. you could have a five-star credit rating in any country. In Australia, you could have mortgages, whatever. Perfect, perfect credit. The day you come to America, they don't know you, right? You have a, a credit score of like effectively zero. Um, yeah. And because of that, you can't apply for shit. You can't get credit cards, nothing. The way to build that is by typically going down the student credit card uh, pathway whereby yeah. through these capital one or discover, um, online digital banks, you yeah. can load up like prepay credit cards for a thousand or $2,000. And after doing that for about three months, you'll build enough credit rating to get a normal credit card. So yeah, a really, really important thing to do in that sequence of events you were just talking about, you know, come in on the right visa, get your I-94, get your social, social security open up a bank account. Um, yeah. The next step should be get a credit card ASAP so that you can start building credit rating. And there's yeah. all sorts of little tips and tricks that you can do to build your credit rating, credit rating faster, um, yeah. such as you, you need to be using the credit card, but not using it too much. And you need to yeah. make sure that you're, you're not missing any payment, like all these obvious things, right? But yeah. on a month to month basis, you'll get absolutely crushed in your score if you don't abide by these rules. So it's very yeah. important that you do your homework and understand how credit ratings work because yeah. you might want a mortgage, right? Yeah. Yeah. You might want a rental, right? A lot of the rentals in the US said they want like 750 on the credit rating. And that's why- 750 is usually... high, man. 750 is really 750 high. 750 is hard. I only ever got 640 and now it's going down because yeah. I don't use it. So exactly. I, like you said, I, I feel like that's a whole nother chat, but- Capital One yeah. was really good. I got a two thousand dollar credit card off them off online. Citibank yeah. 
gave me $500 secured. So I had to give them the $500. And then that took two months. And that's the, the other thing. <laughs> like, if you don't have social security, you have to have lived in the States for three months. And there I was at like two and a half months trying to get a credit card to build a rating to get a rental. Mm -hmm. And it was just a nightmare. And then Capital One online applied, got it, got a credit card the next day, all online. Yep. I got it sent to like a friend's place. Um, oh, mate, how many how many free coffees did you extract out of that company as well? Oh, man, I love Capital One because you get <laughs> price coffees and they're actually good. Wow. So, oh, shit. Everywhere. And all the students go there, man. Everyone goes there. Like, and the people are yeah, just yeah. nice. Apart from the fact that they're not like a full bank, so it's all online. Yeah. There'll be a couple of people there that can try and help you, but generally they yeah. can't do a lot, of, a lot of the things you would want at a bank, right? So, yeah. but I, I don't know. I think that's, you know, you got your credit card. You can get your phone pretty straightforward. That's online. Generally, I went with Mint. Um, that's what I went with. Yeah, that's all online. Just put in an address. You get your eSIM. Yeah. I went eSIM. A caveat that I was going to say to do with Mint is that, yes, it's 5G and it's quite cheap. Uh, it doesn't work in Anchorage. So if you're thinking uh, about if you're thinking about taking a cargo role, uh, you're going to be spending a lot of time in Anchorage and you're yeah. not going to have any internet, which you yeah. might like. I mean, I kind of enjoy it. I don't even, I don't use roaming or anything on my Aussie SIM card when I'm in Anchorage. I just go offline and I quite, quite enjoy yeah. it. Embrace nature, yeah. baby. <laughs> Anchorage. Yeah, living the dream. Yeah. Everyone was going Google Fi. The Google Fi is not that good in Anchorage either, is it? Uh, so Google Fi just got massively upgraded. They didn't have 5G for iPhones because they were trying to basically give an inferior product to anyone that was using iPhones to incentivize people to come over to Android. Uh, yeah. But I think they were getting very, very low uh, like onboarding numbers. So they actually opened yeah. up 5G to iPhones probably like two months ago. And I've I've never heard anything poor about a Google Fi. Like it just works everywhere. It's a little bit more expensive, but uh, it's just a, it's a complete product. Like it just works. Yeah. If you get yeah. four people on the plan, it's pretty cheap, right? Because you could, you could get more people on the plan. It turned out to be pretty cheap, but you know how everyone is like, new company we don't know where we're living we don't know what we're doing other people everyone's got their own things going on so i exactly. think it's about 70 bucks a month was it like just by yourself uh oh it might even be less it might have been like 60 less. or something yeah. like that but 60 yeah, it US. Might be 60. but like mint was yeah. 20 six months i think i paid for 40 gig or something like that so yeah, 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 that, yeah. that's pretty much everything you need though right like number credit banking um yep. Social security is the big one. Um, mm -hmm. Health insurance, like, I, I think that's just a can of worms. We're not financial advisors or anything. I still don't. I still have no idea. I'm paying for one. Money. I don't know how. I, I No, I'm, I'm paying for one. I have no idea how to use it, but I yeah. have health insurance in America. Yeah. You have the HSA set up? HSA, the health, health savings account where um, yeah. it's basically a shared liability between you and your employer. The employer yeah. every month throws in a few hundred dollars um, and eventually that builds into a substantial account that you can draw from if you have any serious uh, excess um, uh, bills. Yeah, because the HSA yeah. as well, you can invest. So I think once you get to two grand, you can actually actively put the money in funds. Um, yeah, you can. And yeah, there's all sorts of... About it. 
there's all sorts of uh, interesting little investment things that you can do with the HSAs. But honestly, like I need to do more homework on it because it's a complicated yeah. topic. I, I just yeah. got health insurance in Oz and I'm like, damn, you know, it's like been living the dream, not really paying for health insurance until you live in Australia where you get the 2% surcharge. So now yeah. I have, you know, health insurance here and it, it's expensive. Who have you gone with in Australia? Uh, Medibank. Yeah. Medibank. So okay. I, I just felt they ticked all the boxes with what I wanted and, you know, it's not yeah. cheap, but you need it, right? It, it's literally a tax write-off. It's like, they are liable to pay for any hospital covers after two month waiting period. And if yeah. I don't have it, then I would just pay 1500 bucks in tax extra a year or something like that. So I was like, I just paid. Yeah. Like, I think we can wrap up that on uh, basically life admin, visas, things like that. I was thinking we could have a chat about some, some sort of like breaking events that have been happening this week in aviation in Australia and yeah. um, around the world. And most importantly, I'll throw this up in the edit, but uh, there's supposedly some leaked information that uh, FedEx is currently overstaffed, according to them, by seven to eight hundred pilots. Yeah. And the reason I guess this is uh, significant is the only narrative within aviation for the last probably two years is we need more pilots, we need more pilots. And this is probably the first major airline that has started to say, hey, we've probably got too many. Now, for context, yeah. FedEx has got over 5,000 pilots. So, you know, they'd be talking wow. about reducing reducing headcount by, I don't know, 15% or something like that. You can read into this all you like. Um, eventually, the yeah. industry is going to capitulate. And typically, yeah. these major airlines, uh, such as, you know, United, Delta, American, um, these, these huge behemoth airlines, they tend to overhire religiously. It just seems to yeah. be in their nature during market cycles to, to, to hire, like there's no tomorrow. You know, some of these country, uh, companies are hiring three to 400 pilots a month right now. I think that's Delta yep. and United. Um, yep. And the consequence of that is that when things start to turn, uh, you know, God forbid, hopefully you're not at the bottom of that hiring cycle because they tend to furlough as well. So perhaps that's something for people to think about, you know, when, when you are applying for a company is, Geez, how fast are they expanding? How how secure is it? How what's the longevity of this job? Um, in yeah. the sense that if they've been hiring three hundred pilots a month for the last eighteen months, two years, yeah, uh, perhaps it's worth looking at companies that have job security and don't have as much risk yeah. of being furloughed. Yeah, a hundred percent. But um, I think that's the first time we've seen that contraction. Considering I, you know, it was always going to come, but. I thought maybe it has a couple more years, but also as freight seen it's like peak, right? During COVID where freight prices were three times, three X, that's all yeah. slowed down now, right? The supply chain's probably still restricted, but maybe it it's just not demanding the same price as it was getting. So airlines won't be expanding. They're probably well, now, I, specifically FedEx, weren't they even chartering out to Atlas, right? They were like giving Yeah, I mean they, they 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 still are. Um, and it's not a huge amount of work. And I think, um, the, the union at FedEx has, has a TA with the company whereby, um, any work that gets, uh, offloaded to contractors such as Atlas, there's a kickback to the pilots. And what that does is it creates a disincentive to prevent the company from abusing all of their work and just outsourcing it to cheaper, yeah. 
contractors. Labor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I will I will also add that yes, uh, you know, like it, it, it may be concerning that they may be in this case FedEx might be fair along pilots, but they're also negotiating a tentative agreement, right? Yeah. And when when you're an airline and you're negotiating with your pilots the next five year contract, you don't you, you don't come out screaming, oh my God, we need so many pilots, right? Because yeah. that just gives that gives so much leverage to the union, right? Because it's, it just becomes yeah. obvious that you need us more than we need you. So uh, perhaps, you know, you could you could read this and take it with a grain of salt that perhaps, uh, you know, they're just fronting this to make it appear like, oh, you know, we actually don't need pilots right now. In fact, we're probably overhired um, and yeah. we actually don't have as much demand for you guys as what you may think. And that would yeah. give them leverage in negotiations. So, you know, perhaps it, it is meaningless news. And well, you know, that definitely puts people on the back foot, especially the, those guys at the bottom when negotiations do happen, you know. Exactly. And, you know, companies, companies are all about the fear and intimidation, you know. And yeah, us as pilots exactly. really have the ability, all the data to understand that, like, hey, do we just stick it out together or you know, shit, I'm just going to vote in, you know, 10% instead of 20% rise or, you know, the, the companies will always do this type of stuff, right? Well, yeah, so, you're, you're in, you as a pilot are incentivized to get any deal over the line that keeps you flying. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas you, you may have a conflict of interest with those who are at the top of the seniority ladder who just want as much money as possible because they know yeah. that, oh, they could, they no, could fire a thousand people and it ain't going to touch me. Yeah. And they're still getting the, the, right. the top top dollar right so yeah, that's right yeah i you know the whole seniority thing is kind of flawed in that aspect of it i think you know that's why you always you look when we joined Cathay, all the senior guys were like no ways will we vote you know for this that eba that was coming <laughs> through when we joined and so everyone voted yeah. no well, everyone it was like 56 what yeah. was it it was like 50 50 i hate to i hate to i'd hate to know what the actual impact of everyone voting no to that deal back in 2016 had on the the future of the airline because we I never we actually we actually we we never stopped fighting with the company that turned no. into like a that turned into like a seven-year battle where no one yeah. was happy no right? one yeah and and whether or not you believe them the company at, at cafe argued that the reason why you are a second officer at year seven is because you guys turned down the deal. Yeah. Oh, you would have, you would have, you would have had your first officer at two and a half years if you had have uh, gotten rid of the what was it the training ban basically. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Right. I never even thought about it, but we probably could have actually. You know, that it was the training ban, but it was also yeah. and ex explain explain to explain to viewers what the training ban was. Well, it was pretty much no one could volunteer to become a captain or a training cap, no, a training captain or go into any training yeah. role with the airline. Right. Um, yeah. So apparently they were limited on training captains, right? And yeah. then so whoever put their hand up for training became a scab. So exactly. did that affect exactly. us so in upgrades? Probably. Did we lose out on about 30,000 Aussie? Yes. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, at least. Yeah. At least. Oh, it was about... Yeah. Oh, is it two grand Aussie a month extra? We're probably going to get like our housing was going to go up, the housing allowance. So, 
But I, I think what I took from that was you're never going to win unless you take something. Right. So Better to have something than nothing, I think, is the, exactly. the lesson from, from that ordeal. In the end of the day, we all got we all got different contracts that were much less. So we probably should have just taken the benefits for four years if we had hindsight, but we didn't. So exactly. Yeah. yeah I mean, COVID threw a spanner in the works for all the Asian carriers, yeah. Middle Eastern carriers, everything. Um, which COVID's is been an a really interesting thing for everyone because it's changed every, every everyone's going through EV, EBA negotiations at the moment, pretty much. Right. Apart from Qantas just implemented one without any negotiations. Right. That was the SO um rex just virgins going through eba um jetstar approved their eba last year so uh, covid has you know pilots got their careers flipped upside down uh no pay different careers and here we are now all coming out the end where everyone's paying high ticket prices everyone's flying the economy is apparently you know yeah it's it's very difficult it's very difficult to hide on an income statement at a publicly traded company that you're producing the highest profits the company's ever produced ever. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's yeah. difficult to brush to the side when you're coming up to uh, tentative agreements, uh, contract yeah. renegotiations. So it is yeah. going to be very interesting as all these companies, particularly in Australia, uh, go through negotiations again. Um, it'd be disappointing if after all of the sacrifices that crew made during COVID to keep these companies buoyant, uh, to see no reimbursement or improvements um, in exchange for that. Um, It won't come free or easy. It's going to be a grind. Negotiating always is. Uh, But I really hope that for those who are working in Australia that um, they get, uh, there's just some some fairness involved in, in the next agreements. Yeah. Hopefully. Oh, I want to yes. talk about Virgin. Um, some really positive news from them. You said they're going through TAs shortly. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the growth of that company um, and what okay. it means for aviation in, the, uh, in Australia. When the company relaunched in 2020, they had 58 jets. Um, yeah. They've been steadily growing. They're now 84. Um, yeah. And they're on track to have 33 additional jets delivered over the next five years. What does that mean for staffing numbers over the next five years? Yeah. If we just look at the fleet size two and a half years ago compared to where it needs to be in 2028, it needs to double. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, a lot of crew who were furloughed, they've gone to America, they've gone and done other yeah. things on the side. Um, and I believe that they have like a seven-year recall period. Is that right? 2025 is the date. 2025. I don't know, okay. Month. It's 2025 is they have to have come back or the, it means nothing anymore. Yeah. I think, the I, think they, I think they also get two opportunities. So basically, if the company offers you once, you can decline it and say, ask me again in the future. After yeah. they offer you a second one, I'm not sure what the interval requirements are between those two offers. Um, if you decline the second time, your slot is gone. But um, it is extremely positive, I think, to see growth in the market. You've got Bonza. Uh, they are now flying, I'm pretty sure. What do you know about Bonza? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know much about Bonza apart from they do all these like different routes and they're obviously a budget-based airline. I can tell you more on Monday when I have a chat with someone in HR. But... <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> the one thing I what are they recently, flying? Are they are they three twenties? No, they're seven threes, seven threes, okay. and they're all purple looking. And I, I saw one of the pilots the other day, and I was like, "Is that a uniform, or is it just like?" <laughs> I, I didn't know what it was, but yeah, I, it's I like. Uh, have you have you have you seen the Parisian uniform in the US? No, no. Dude, they look like uh, they look they look like bush pilots. They got like blue shirts, and I'm not sure if they wear. Not sure if they wear a tie. There's a few carriers over in the states where they basically just wear polos. But that's cool. Like, let's do that. I got nothing against it. I got I got nothing against it. Anyway, like the seven three's got crap on it. Like, there's all rubber everywhere and oil and like, let's just be full on GA junkies. Like, live the dream. Dude, I, I don't really think it matters what the uniform is. I just think people need to wear the uniform. It does kind of grind like yeah. years when there's an allocated uniform and people just wear fucking mufti or like mix match. It just yeah. looks shit. It makes you look unprofessional. Yeah. It makes the company look like shit. So, yeah. uh, man, if it's Apollo, fucking rock it. Yeah. Represent it. What about what up? hats? Because has Qantas got rid of the hat? No, they've got the hat. No, no. Connors is never getting rid of hats, mate. No, but is it Virgin? No, Virgin's got hats. Someone's got rid of hats in Oz recently, and I was like, what? You don't have to have the hat. No. Really? Yeah, maybe that was just... Well, well Cafe, remember Cafe got rid of them. They tried to recall them. Yeah, yeah. Cafe <laughs> won the hats back. <laughs> Mine's that's about five metres that way. I ain't giving that to anyone. Yeah, that's my buskin hat. That's all the change. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's my, that's where it, all the money goes, man. It's trying to bask from Cathay. But, um, literally, I, the other thing, just to come back to Bonzo, I heard they were cutting roots. So that's never good, right? But it's also the end of school holidays. I, as much as I encourage risk-taking, um, joining a company that has like 10 or less jets yeah. in an extremely competitive environment in Australia where... Those two companies, Qantas and Virgin, are more than willing to loss lead in order to push anyone, any new entrants out of the market. I think yeah. it was an extremely ballsy move. Um, and, you know, I think uh, if you need work and you need a job in Australia, apply for everything. But yeah. uh, you are taking a significant risk joining a startup airline. Yeah. Like airline, already high risk. Startup, like 10x the risk. Yeah. Maybe right. 10x the reward though, right? Like potential command. Maybe. Quick Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But all you have to do is look at history of aviation in, in this country and you will see like a basically a graveyard of airlines. Yeah. And uh, the, the two companies that remain are so entrenched and they have such a, I think there's such a foothold in politics and loyalty that uh it's unique to a country like america where uh, yeah yeah, it's far in my opinion it's a lot easier to start up because there's so much more like secondary services like airport services that you don't have to establish yourself like you can start this is basically how how um breeze started right very very low startup costs because all you need is jets and staff you don't have to set up a home base you don't have to have your own ground staff at airports you can outsource yeah. all of that but that's that's like t- ticket a- ticket agents the ticket agents are just uh, are just contractors who yeah. they they provide services to a dozen different companies right yeah, yeah. 
that, that's so, like um, oh, yeah. the company but like who is it um a lot of the ticking agents all work for one contractor and they change uniforms like different shifts or you know they yeah. might even have a split yeah that's split right shift. so absolutely yeah, if you go to, if you go to city international at 10 a.m you're gonna see all sorts of ticket agents who don't work for any specific airline they just change shirts yeah and that's yeah, probably that's why just the nature of the business these days yeah, all the different codes. And <laughs> Where are you going? Thing. Yeah, yeah. Checking people. It's a hard. Flight. It's a hard job, dude. It's yeah, a. It's an incredibly hard job. I used to. I used to be a fucking ticket agent at Sharp at Adelaide Airport. No ways. I no. I earned my stripes, baby. I swear <laughs> to God. Yeah. Nah. Well, no. Well, I, I don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about how many bags I sent to the wrong airports. But Seriously? Uh, yeah, I've. I've yeah, dude. Yes. I thought you were a smart cookie, you know, you could at least pack bags properly. No, not smart, just a great jawline. Yeah, just got, got a 10 out of 10 jawline. <laughs> um, I sent someone's, well, someone had their golf clubs, they were going to Mauritius, and I didn't get their golf clubs onto the Mauritius flight out of Perth in time. So, yeah, I got, I got a call up from the manager on that day and, you know, <laughs> I just left the golf clubs at the baggage bay where I was meant to leave them. But yeah, someone was on their honeymoon and they weren't playing golf in Mauritius. So no, they weren't. Like of, <laughs> Someone's yeah, fucking honeymoon like, too. Ten years ago. So yeah. Uh, I bet that guy's um, still cursing you. Nah, yeah, maybe. Maybe he is. But just um just a side note on the Virgin thing, I heard something recently from Virgin Crew that they've put now got the seven three maxes coming and that's right yeah that's the them. that's the 33 jets that are coming over the next five years yeah. they're all maxes so the current ones they have are saving them 20 percent fuel on those sectors and the uh, boeing told them it was going to be about 10 percent. so apparently the bean counters are really happy at virgin and with uh, the um, with maxes yeah with the maxes so you know right. that, that's just more planes coming obviously cost money to have planes but also saving money um doing the yeah. same sectors these days compared to just the 800s um yeah. and i also got told they need 300 pilots in the next two years so uh, that's a fair few pilots man that's you know for australia you. i think that's a lot of pilots um that's Qantas. Yeah. isn't Qantas going for 300 this year or last um, year? No. man i've heard so many i've heard so many rumors about Qantas. i've heard oh they need 300 every year for the next three years i yeah. think um there's just yeah. so many moving parts. Um, there's so many subsidiaries that that play roles. You know, like you might have heard a figure of 300, but now they've got a bunch of A220s coming, which are supposed to be like the the OG regional short range jet at the moment. Yeah. So maybe yeah. they're going to divert some of their growth towards that fleet in Qantas Link, right? Yeah, I would say it's so. uh, yeah. it's just yeah. I I try not to look into rumors. In the Australian market, all I do is I listen to jets. So, like, who's buying how many jets? What yeah. planes need to be retired? And then do yeah. your own math from there. Yeah. So it's not looking good then. Well, I wouldn't say that. Like, you got Virgin doubling in size. You got Bonza starting up. You got Rex flying seven threes. You yeah. got um, subsidiary growth at Qantas. The only thing that's not growing is mainline Qantas. Yeah, that's that's what I mean is the shrinking right. seven three fleet. And if you were A220 type rated or you know, where where are they gonna go? Q Link, subsidiary, pilots get paid less, doing less probably mm -hmm. work on a well, mm -hmm. 
you know, there's still going to well, be probably more work. Yeah. Probably more work. Um, but that's, I think that's the tricky thing about Australian aviation is um, there are so many different variables and gears going. Um, it's all, you might be wearing the same uniform, like network, like Q-Link, but um, are you in the same airline? So, and that's, that's the heartbreaker, right? We've been there. We've done that, right? Uh, yeah. it, it's the same story everywhere. Look at Atlas when I was on the 7.3, different company. It's, you know, the 7.3 yeah. fleet was no money, different route, like only domestic. So I think when- Totally different airline. Yeah. Someone's totally left in airline. an airline. You just go for yeah. the base and what type of flying you want. That's it. Exactly. And the money. If exactly. you want money, go to Qantas. If, if you don't want money- if you want money, go to America. <laughs> well, yeah, that, yeah. If if you have to stay in Australia, you'd, you'd pick the one, number one, right? Um, yeah, sure. sure. But if you go in international, I'd probably go America. Or I don't know about Emirates. I've heard things, you know, I've only ever seen things. I, I, I know a couple of guys there. I think uh, that's worth, I think that's worth a, an entire podcast on its own. Like, is it yeah. worth going back to the Middle East and Asia post-COVID? Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of great things there, but there's also a lot of risk because look who got the boot first when COVID happened. Yeah. Look at, look at Japan, Hong Kong, uh, UAE, yeah. the first people to be marching, uh, home were all the expats. Yeah. It always is though, so, man. That's the thing. Yeah. That's what you, that's what we realize. And that's what the risk you take. So you go in yeah. there to fly a certain jet live a certain life but that might all come tumbling down and then the question comes back and it's similar to the flight that i just had you know um the individuals had never left australia i had their peers had gone overseas and now you know their captains are like firmly based in australia whereas i've been living internationally and it's like starting from the bottom again so yeah but yeah it's all based on a person's individual perspective i guess but yeah yeah. Apart from that, have you got any other news in aviation? It's all, man. It's all I got for this week. That's it. Yeah, that's. I have nothing. Let's hit it and quit it. <laughs> hit it and quit it. All right. Thanks everybody for watching. Um, hope you got something valuable out of this, and yeah. we'll see you next time. Com right, comment peace. below, like and subscribe. <laughs> Do not like or subscribe. <laughs> Just because you said comment that. On